Spirit Catholic Radio, KVSS. We are Catholic Radio for the Christian community. Good morning. Welcome to Spirit Mornings with Bruce McGregor and... Chris McGregor. And Monday, it's time to get geeky again. We've got Mark Hart. He is the Vice President of Life Teen and also the author of several books, affectionately known to our listeners and people around the world as the Bible Geek, uh, spreading that good news to all he meets. And we'd like to have a platform for him to do that right here on this very radio station. So, Mark, good morning and welcome again. Happy New Year, Merry Christmas, all that good stuff. And a blessed epiphany to you, too. There you go. What other ho- holy days? I don't Baptism know. We've got it all Lord, covered. Baptism it. of the Lord today. Yep. So. Oh, you just gotta, you got to love this season. It's a great time. You bet. Absolutely. Well, and I, I have to ask, and a lot of our listeners, you've been very open and sharing, know that you have small kids, and what's it been like, their Christmases? I mean, they're at an age now where they're starting to really get into it, I bet. I tell you what, I I live in an existence of all things princess. <laughs> and I have Disney, we, we, uh, Hope was very, very good. <laughs> and uh, she, she uh, one of the things she got was a little Disney princess castle. Oh. I have been involved in more princess storylines. And just the characters, what's, what's cute now is to, to see that, to see the, the, um, the, the desire in her to want to protect her toys and not let her not let her little sister who's walking you know invade the Barbie castle right. <laughs> you know, the princess castle but at the same time you know wanting to share as she's being taught so you you see the conflict the moral conflict you see the gears turning how do I protect what is mine yet also fulfill my Christian duty this year <laughs> it's uh, it's been really funny we we spent a better portion of the holidays all with um, with with pretty bad chest colds and things so. While it was not, uh, we didn't feel 100%, it sure was wonderful to have a lot of extra time just on the sofa and, and uh, reading stories and playing and that kind of thing. So it's, it, I, I tell you what, I, uh, with the exception of my office at my house, the rest of the house is just pink. There's pink everywhere. There you go. I look like I live in a bubble yum factory. Thank God for family. <laughs> <laughs> well, I'm not, they're keeping me young mentally. I'm not sure about physically. Well, one of the other questions, too, of course, did you run across anything in your Christmas giving that had some assembly required? I tell you what, I, I, I am literally single-handedly keeping the people at Energizer and Duracell in business. <laughs> I, uh, luckily, the assembly wasn't bad, but I tell you what, I mean, I feel like I did more. I, I made more runs for batteries than I did for milk. Oh, yeah. Mm-hmm. Unbelievable. Yep. I mean, you get to a point where you just kind of say, you know, let's just get back to books. It's a whole lot cheaper. <laughs> well, you'll have to have one of the designated family members be the decal person, too. I mean, doing oh. the decals on things. That See, this, just, is, oh. this is a wisdom that I can only glean from spending time with you guys. I'm not, I don't have this wisdom yet. See, well, been, the day will come, young Mark. Yes. <laughs> yeah, decal sticking is a high art form. That's right. <laughs> and for those of us that, that lack patience and lack attention to details. Uh, let someone else be the decaler. Yes, really. <laughs> Pass on that decal. Oh, good Lord. You know, Mary and Joseph never had to deal with this stuff. No. No, they just had to fly to Egypt. <laughs> Very special people, and we do have some really compelling questions about Mary this time around. So are you open for it, Mr. Bible Geek? I love talking about Mom. Let's go for it. All right, let's go for it. This one is actually kind of a two-parter, and uh, the second part is one of those, hmm, what makes Mary different than you or me, and what if Mary had said no? Wow, what makes Mary different than you and me? Well, look at everything about yourself that... Um, is about you. It's just anything that's selfish or prideful or self-involved, and take that away, and you have Mary. Um, <laughs> Mary is the antithesis of self. Right. Uh, it, it says in the Catechism that, that um, pr- 
pride is the exercise of one's will for oneself. And in Mary, we have the, the antithesis of pride, the opposite of pride. We have total humility in, in that she chose her will for God and not for herself. And uh, we have that natural inclination to self because of our original sin. And since she was preserved from original sin, um, she, she does not have that same inclination that we have, to, to that, that, same, that same urging, prompting, you know, to, to choose ourself. But what's interesting is that, uh, that, that question, what if Mary had said no? And, and that, that has been, that, that's been a, a real debate. Um, with with different with different quote unquote scholars from different denominations, especially people who um, maybe aren't Catholic or who don't understand that the Catholic honoring and, and the special veneration that we, that we reserve for Mary, mm-hmm. um, yeah, in the way that we the way that we love her and the way that we honor her, and that is, you know, what if she had said no? And the reality is, she could have said no. Mm-hmm. Is that just because she was without original sin does not mean that God in any way impinged upon her free will? That mm-hmm. she very easily could have said no. And and the reality is, when you really pull back. If, if you have to if you take a step back for a second, especially those of us who have a strong Marian devotion, who who we were, were raised praying the Rosary, who have you know Marian images in the home and images of the Madonna and child, and you know it's it's hard if you have a Marian spirituality to really put yourself in the frame of mind to say, wow, what if, mm-hmm. and, and to take a step back. But if you do, you really if, if you look at the the landscape, the social landscape of the time, the historical landscape of the, of the Mediterranean culture, that that Mary would have had a thousand reasons to say no. Sure. And the only reason she had to say yes was was her humility and her immense love for God, um, because she did not know how it was going to turn out. I mean, can, can you even imagine? I mean, and, and you go through all the different hypotheses. You know, being her age. You know, I mean, being being a young teenager, uh, being betrothed to another man. I mean, knowing that in that culture you could be you could be killed, you could yeah. be stoned for something like that. Mm-hmm. Just that, that the sheer reality of what she said yes to, not knowing how it was going to turn out, and and how many times in the course of Jesus's life, specifically at the Passion and the Crucifixion. Well, I mean, what what was going through her heart, you know, and what was going just through her her whole soul at that time, you know, and it was still magnifying the greatness of God, as it tells us the Magnificat. But I think the big question is, is um, can can we really can we really live like Mary, you know, because every day we have the opportunity to say no to God, and every day I I choose I say no to God in some way, big way or small way. Mm-hmm. Because um, of my sinfulness, because my selfishness and my pride, and the great challenge, and we're, and this is one of the beauties of having the solemnity of Mary as a feast day on the first, and and this entire Christmas season, and as we move into you know, into the new into the new you know liturgical year, is is the constant challenge, you know, to to be like Mary, you know, the constant challenge to say to, yes to God with our whole being and our whole soul, not not just uh, what you know, not just those things we can control. Because Mary didn't know how it was going to turn out, and if and you and I really, if we say yes to God really every day, um, we're not going to know how certain things are going to turn out. And that's where trust comes in. The point that you made very early on, Mark, that if you were to take away all those things of our own pride and our own the things that block us and our sinfulness and things like that, and you strip that away, you find Mary. And when you take all those things away, you almost you can take away fear. I mean, the ability to be able to trust, and she she truly did, didn't she? Absolutely. You know, you know, fear is not of God. And I, th- I think sometimes we forget that. Fear, in and of itself, is not of God. And it says in Scripture that perfect love casts out fear. Is that, you know, fear normally is, um, is, is the desire to, to master the, and control everything around you. You know, it's, fear is not, you know, is, is not the absence of doubt. It's, it's, the, it's the refusal to be mastered by it. The mm-hmm. refusal to be mastered by those other things. You know, so it's, it's not a sin to have fear, it's it's a sin to let fear consume you and control you. 
Yeah, because ultimately that 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 shows that we're not trusting God with our whole heart, and that really is the that is the daily challenge. And does God think we're going to be perfect in it? No, of course not. He knows we're going to fall, but but it, again, it's that constant: Am I willing to take that next step? You know, Peter in the boat. Am I willing to take the next step? You know, Mary after the angel visits her. Am I willing to take the next step? You know, Joseph. You know, you know, to take her into his home to go to Egypt. Am I willing to take the next step? Abraham when he tells him to walk three days and, and sacrifice his son on the third day. You know, is he willing to take that next step? And that's really what we have in, in Scripture is this wonderful historical depiction of people taking steps even though they can't control what's going to happen next, even though they don't know what's going to happen next. And that's the invitation that God's throwing out to us every day. Are you, are you going to keep walking? And that's why we always refer to it as the Christian walk. Mm-hmm. We have to take it one step at a time. All right. Well, I think that explains why Mary's different. <laughs> How about <laughs> you, Bruce? One of the many, many ways. Absolutely. Yeah, I mean, in so many ways, no doubt about it. Well, Mark, let's take a look at uh, another uh, tradition here. How did the tradition of there being three magi start if Matthew 2 doesn't give a number of magi. How did they get named? Basically, I need more information on how this Catholic tradition got started. Well, you know what's great is that, um, is that being Catholic, we have capital T tradition and we have small t traditions. You know, mm-hmm. Small t traditions being, being things, um, things that we do, for instance, within the liturgy, um, small t tradition, things that, that we, over the centuries, have just sort of adopted, you know, whether that is the praying of the rosary or, or the stations of the cross or different, you know, different ways we, you know, venerate the cross, things like that. Then we have big, big t tradition, which is obviously, you know, the, the written and oral tradition of our church, mm-hmm. especially, specifically the oral tradition, that which was given to us by Christ, the sacraments handed down over time, the priesthood, the Eucharist, and that the scripture supports. You know, when it comes to the to Magi, what's interesting is that, uh, yeah, in Matthew 2, it never says there's three. It just says there's three gifts. So mm-hmm. over time, we've always just described that there, mu- that, that there were three, apparently, because, um, you know, either they weren't strong enough to carry two, or, uh, <laughs> you know, three is obviously a, a, a symbolic number. It's a biblical number. It's a scriptural number. Everything happens on the third day, you know, and three is the perfect number, and, and then we have the Trinity. Um, you know, so it, it, and it's it's complete number, where seven might be the perfect number, three is the, the fully complete number. So it's really interesting. Um, but what's what's great is that through tradition over the centuries, different saints have been given different um, insight into the wise men. Um, you know, there was a, or a different holy people, a, a bead who's venerable mm-hmm. uh, in the in the seventh century. Basically, was given some was basically given a kind of a vision and some names, um, you know, in prayer of who the who the wise men were, the mag, the magi were, and, and what we've been told through tradition, at least since about the eighth century or so, we've always referred to them as Gaspar, Melchior, and Balthazar, right. three kings, the three magi. And what's interesting is that when, when you look at your nativity set or look at any depictions, they usually have that they've become pretty standardized in what they look like. Melchior mm-hmm. is the older man with the long white beard. Um, he's one that brings gold. So, you know, Melchior brings the gold. Gaspar, usually shown as a younger man. Sometimes he has a darker beard to show that he's younger, um, that he's ruddy, you know, reddish-haired or brown, like reddish-brown. Mm-hmm. Um, sometimes Gaspar is uh, depicted without a beard to show his youthfulness. Um, Gaspar is the one that brought incense to Christ. And then we have Balthazar, who's usually depicted as, uh, he has a black complexion, whether that's Egyptian or African. Um, but Balthazar has a, has a darker complexion, usually has a very heavy beard, and he's the one that brings, you know, murder to Jesus, that mm-hmm. tradition tells us. But that these three, you know, magi, they, they really weren't called kings or referred to as kings until far later. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, in the, in the very beginning, they were only really referred to as astrologers. 
and uh, and tradition and legends tell us that that their bones of these three um, reside in the cathedral in Cologne, the city of the three kings, and they were brought there in uh, in the mid twelfth century. And that was just visited recently by Pope Benedict the Sixteenth. By Pope Benedict the Sixteenth, absolutely. Mm-hmm. And you know, it's, it's, it's interesting too. A lot of people, when you go into Matthew two and you read it, and they say, "Well, why gold, frankincense, and myrrh?" We've all sung the songs. We all know that that's what they bring. But a lot of times, we really don't understand the, the symbolism of why those three. You know, and the gold is for the royalty of Christ. The frankincense is for the divinity of Christ, and the myrrh is for the humanity of Christ. Mm-hmm. You know, the myrrh, obviously, what we use in, in embalming and in burial. Incense, I and mean, we still use incense at church you know, to, to, to signal the divinity. But you know what's, what's great is that once you get through all the scholarship and all the symbolism and meaning, we really get down to it and we say, okay, what am I really supposed to take from Epiphany? Because Epiphany really was what we celebrated, you know, even before we started celebrating Christmas mm-hmm. at that time of year. Epiphany is, is when the church stopped. Because Epiphany means manifestation. It means that, that Christ's presence is being manifest, is being made known to the world. You know, and... Um, What's great about it is, is you say, okay, well, how does this relate to me today, right now? Well, it relates to you and I, I, I think, you know, the, the three of them, what do they do? They, they, they showed up and they brought their gifts, yeah. and they put their gifts at the service of the Lord. It tells us in First Peter. And, and I think, uh, essentially, on the simplest, most primordial level, that is what God is calling us to do. He's calling us to show up, not just to church, although yes to church, but to show up every day at home, at work, at school, to show up and to bring your gifts and to put them at the service of God, because essentially that is what they did, and mm-hmm. they are forever honored. And, and what's funny is that God knows their names, and whether their names really are Melchior and Balthazar and Gaspar or not, you know, uh, you know I, I, tend to, I, I think that Bede was a pretty holy person. I'm going to go with those three names. But you know, the reality is, is that, that they, are, they are remembered and honored, you know, not because they wanted it, but because that's what they did. They were willing to, to make the trek, to leave their comfort zones, to leave their place, to leave behind everything else, and to travel and to, to kneel before the king and put their gifts at his service. You know, it strikes me that they're really quite the example of stewardship. That whole time, talent, treasure, they did it. They were the first to really show us an example of how even those who have come to seek him out bear witness to him by their, by their example. Well, they absolutely are. And, you know, it's not easy. You know, uh, that's the other thing to take is that, you know, a lot of times because we look at the nativity, we just assume that they were there the night that he was born. Yeah. Mm-hmm. And that's not what tradition tells us. I mean, they had a long trip. And even though they said they saw the star at its rising, they still had to go talk to Herod first. So they went up to Jerusalem before they went down to Bethlehem. Mm-hmm. You know, so the reality is that they weren't there on the night of his birth. That's right. You know, it took them some time to get there. And, because, you know, for easiness sake, we have them there next to the shepherds and next to everything else, you know, the first night. But the reality is, is that maybe the shepherds went back because they were just so enthralled, but most likely there weren't any shepherds there by the time the Magi arrived. Mm-hmm. And we have to remember is that it took them, it, it was not, a, it, that's not an easy journey. Even if you're excited about something, just like it wasn't easy to go 90 miles, you know, for Mary on a, on a donkey, it's not easy to go several hundred miles. And that's most likely how far they went. They had to travel at least 400 miles we know probably closer to 6 or 700 given you know given total given total movement in biblical scholarship and that's a pretty severe trek for that time oh you uh, bet that time that 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 would take that would most likely take several weeks if not months i wonder whatever happened to them because i mean in scripture we pretty much after they they leave they present their gifts and they leave i i i wonder sometimes whatever happened to the magi you know some traditions and this is this is more legend than tradition some say that St. Thomas the Apostle, you know, the doubter, mm-hmm. that, you know, he was, now he was an early bishop, obviously, because all the apostles were. Some traditions hold that he actually traveled a little bit, traveled a little bit more to the east um, upon some of his evangelization journeys, came across them, 
catechized them and then initiated them fully into the church. That's what some traditions well, That's hold. neat. But uh, but there's really not a there's not a ton of historical fact to say that it's really just uh, you know small t tradition. Yeah. You know, speaking of small t traditions, there is one that at Epiphany is in there of marking the doorpost, uh, you know, or above your entryway with chalk, and by uh, putting say for example twenty plus, and then the C and the M and the B, and then like oh seven. There's that, you know, just to kind of mark mark that year, and then you change that every year. Yeah, I've heard of that. I've never done that. I've heard I've heard about it, but I think that was I think that predates my generation. You're making me. You're dating me now, there, Mark. No, not you. <laughs> <laughs> Actually, I'd love to hear more about that. I've never done that. I mean, I've heard about it in conversation. But I've never done it. It's just a way of marking your your doorpost or your home to commemorate the year of our Lord and. And I, I really, I don't know more of the origins of it. Maybe I should find out and, and then pass it on to the Bible geek. Mm. It, oh my you know, gosh. it was fun. When, when we put the nativities out, I think I said a few weeks back on one of the shows, that we, have the, we have the breakable nativity at our house, and then we have the kids' nativity. <laughs> and, uh, and in an effort to kind of tell the, to telling the story, every week during Advent, we would light the Advent wreath, and we'd sit down, with, and I'd sit down with our four-year-old Hope, and I'd tell the story, and I always told her the, you know, the wise men's names as he went, because you know, obviously story appeals to everybody. Mm-hmm. I'm always amazed what they can retain. But uh, it was so funny. It was we, we got to Mass on Christmas Eve, and uh, she was sitting there with my niece and nephew, who were once in junior high, once in elementary school, and, uh, and they were looking at all the different artwork, and, when, and they saw the nativity. My four-year-old says, oh, wow, Balthazar, Gaspar, and Melchior. <laughs> and I heard her. You know, he kind of hear conversation because mm-hmm. she was a few feet away. And I watched both my niece and my nephew and my, my sister and her husband and my parents, who were all sitting there. Just Her eyes got huge, and they sort of looked down like, what is going on? <laughs> it was one of those really proud, you know, proud moments. Uh, Great proud Papa catechetical moment. And she nailed the names, too. She nailed them. I was yeah. so proud of her. <laughs> well, more of those are coming, young Mark. You wait and see. Uh, I hope so. <laughs> well, Mark, we want to thank you very much for being with us again today for uh, answering the questions on uh, the differences between Mary and you and me and uh, the tradition of uh, the three magi. Yes, honey? Well, I was just going to say another tradition I think families should have is sitting down and reading Scripture together, as, as Mark has always encouraged us. And I know we've said it often, but, you know, you have to say it enough so people really hear it. Sixteen times. At least sixteen times. Did you know that, Mark? Sixteen times before people really get it. So... Here's a number, um, I don't know what the time is, but T3, the Bible timeline, it is the, one of the best ways families can gather to study Scripture. Well, thank I, I, I hope so. I, uh, I, really, I really think so, and um, I, was, I was very, very uh, touched on Christmas. My parents had given, they actually bought a copy and gave it to my niece, and, uh, and it was one of those ones where I didn't know if she was really going to get into it. She's in junior high, and I know if her parents were going to want to do it, you know, because it's my sister, and I want to push it. It was really neat. I got a, I got a great email actually just last night, and they they had just finished the second, uh, the second segment, um, and they they watched actually both in the first night. The first segment, uh, my niece was getting into it so much, they watched the second segment. And they said they're gonna they're planning on watching another one tomorrow. So it's it's really it's uh it's really a great blessing to see families um, kind of come together um, because of scripture, you know. So it's it's a it's a great program put together by Jeff. It was an honor to work on it, and uh, I'm actually really excited. We're we're, uh, we're actually hitting around and kicking around a lot of other ideas right now for some for some similar kind of DVD based Bible study programs for the family to come the next year or two. So perfect. oh, absolutely perfect. And if people want to find out more about that, they can go to the website of ascensionpress.com. There you go. All right, Mark. Thanks so much. We appreciate it. We look forward to seeing you again next Monday. Always my pleasure. God bless you guys.